0: Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and folks. If we have a theme for this week's show, it's that this is the dumbest week since last week. <laughs> <laughs> Be forewarned, listeners. Mickey is in a dyspeptic mood this week, uh, and it's kind of hard to blame her. Uh, but you know, Mickey, where should we start? Should we should we start out in Chicago with the oh, but oh, shocking news that the Jesse Smollett <laughs> story did not turn out quite
1: the way he said. Oh, listeners, when we first left off, right? Um, when we last left off of this story, Jim and I were telling you that things did not quite add up. And of course, now we're finding out that nothing adds up. Like, as bad as I thought it was going to be, Jim, in the Jussie Smullett hoax situation, the truth or what is coming out to be the truth is like a thousand times worse. Like, yeah. I mean, there was just this... no that from the beginning, I once I heard the whole story and the MAGA country thing, I immediately was like privately to you, like, this did not happen.
0: Yeah, There, there was room for <laughs> that. OK, something happened, but it did not happen the way he described. It's a cold. It's a super cold night. Maybe he slipped on the ice and he's embarrassed or or maybe somebody attacked him for some other reason. And that actual reason is embarrassing. So he made up the story of, oh, it was rednecks and, you know, all kind of stuff. You know, but no, 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 no. At least according to the last latest reports out of Chicago. Oh, by the way, sure it sure would be nice if the Chicago police would give an on the record statement about all this um allegedly organized hoaxed this was maga country but they could not actually find maga hats
1: oh right, right like that was hilarious because that was probably one of the funniest things i it, i took such pleasure in telling people the story of how they found the plain red hats that they had purchased because they weren't even able to find actual maga hats in chicago like that's how unbelievable the story was from start to finish but again I, like you, pictured, you know, possibly another version of a scenario that maybe was embarrassing or maybe wasn't quite what he made it out to be. I had no thoughts from the beginning of this that he had possibly sent himself the own, his own threat letter, um, mm-hmm. that he possibly hired these people to stage the attack, that they have, God love them, rehearsed it a day or two before the actual quote unquote tack and you can't see me doing air quotes right now, but I'm doing them around. I was gonna say, Mickey, he's pattern. an actor. He's got, he, he's an actor. He has to rehearse. Okay. I, I'm just picturing are them going you through are it. Kidding saying, me. Okay. like, this just gets more and more insane the more you hear about it. And the thing about it is, like, he has now decided we're at the stage in all of this where he's now, I'm not talking to the press, which is hilarious because <laughs> what ultimately got him into trouble, as we have talked about, is. The fact that he could not keep himself off the TV. He wanted to go out and tell people that he was the gay Tupac and that he fought the fuck back, quote, unquote. And he wanted to go on to GMA and tell Robin Roberts, you know, that he was a martyr and that he wasn't going to give up and that, you know, gays and black people, and he was going to be able to stand up for all of them. And then he ID'd the people. I was that, he claimed, you're... attacked him, and that moment, right there, right there, sealed his fate. I was
0: going to say, when you're absolutely refusing to uh, speak to the media anymore, that's a sign your publicity stunt has gone terribly wrong, <laughs>
1: right? I mean, yeah. well, well, whole... you know, and I hate to say this because, you know, my, my feelings towards Ann Coulter are not exactly mixed or good, usually. Um, however, having said that, she did write a column a few years ago about faking a hate crime. And one of the most important details is that she talks about only going to the media, not actually involving the real police. And I think that's where the mistake was clearly made here. Not only did they ultimately end up involving the police, but they've involved the FBI and now the United States Postal Service. And, like, it's craziness what is going on here and the resources that have been used for ultimately a guy that, you know, I, I don't know why he did this. It sounds like, obviously, it was a publicity stunt slash attention grab. He clearly does not like Trump or anyone who's ever voted for Trump or thought about voting for Trump or possibly might have at one point been a Republican. Um, He doesn't like you. And he thinks that it's okay to make this kind of stuff up about you Mm -hmm. and go to the press with it like it's the gospel truth. That is problematic to me. This is someone intentionally so division where it absolutely was unnecessary. He I I told you earlier this. We got a crazy tweet that went viral because it was just so basic. But apparently lots of people related to it because this is a guy who pitted blacks against whites, gays Mm -hmm. against straights and Democrats against Republicans Mm -hmm. who enjoys that kind of chaos. Jim, like why?
0: You know, look, I mean, somebody who does not have a functioning moral compass, and I, I, I keep, we, we, this is not the first time, but I wrote something earlier this week in the point, it's worth noting, hate crimes do happen. I, I don't like it when I hear folks in our world saying, ah, these are things that are almost always fake. Eh, sometimes they're not fake. Um, it is worth noting that when you see someone, who, you know, when, when they're not fake, usually people are very happy to go to the cops. Uh, usually right. their stories are quite straight and usually there, there's quite a bit of considerable evidence. It's the ones, you know, the witnesses, right? Things like that. It's the ones where like, oh, there's a swastika painted on my dorm room wall, you know, uh, or on my dorm room door or something like that. Um, it's the graffitis, it's the ones where there's no one around, no witnesses. And then the next big clue, and, and, you know, Smollett is probably just gonna be another textbook example of this. When you see somebody who's, oh, I was a victim of a hate crime, but I don't want to file a police report. <laughs> <laughs> that usually is a big mm-hmm. red sign, a big red flag to say, okay, this person recognizes there are consequences to filing a a false police report, and they so they they want the attention of this. And every time when they get pushed on this, there's usually some variation of, well, okay, they didn't really uh, paint a swastika. I painted the swastika on my own door or something like that, but really, um, I did this because I wanted to raise awareness. I
1: just want right to- because it- Therein lies the biggest problem, though, is that we've already got people coming out and saying, Wow, well, yes, I hear you. You're just so much nicer than I am to people because they're stupid <laughs> and unreliable. And reality is, like, yes, you're saying that, yes, hate crimes happen. Sure, they do. They happen. They just don't happen at the frequency at which the media would like you to believe they do. Um, nor do they happen to the people that the media likes to feature as their special hate crime victims. Um, yeah, I mean, again, there's a that, that's a yeah. problem that legitimately happens. Hate crimes happen in a lot of different ways, even if the media doesn't always like the victim. Well, you
0: know, uh, when something like the synagogue shooting happens <laughs> right right. out in Pittsburgh, well, we that that one's pretty clear, right? There's not any dispute about what happened there. Lots of witnesses, the perpetrators caught, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the question when people say, "Oh, I did this to raise awareness." People are aware of hate crimes, right? There's no, like, like it's
1: such a BS excuse. And again, it's all self-serving. It's all self-serving. Like, there is literally, this doesn't raise awareness for hate crimes. This doesn't do anything but put the person who reported it in the spotlight in what we have now determined is, I guess, a key role in our society, which is victim slash martyr. Mm. And isn't that real? I mean, like, ultimately, I think that's also something that we need to address in light of all of this is that I, I've seen that people talking about, you know, victimhood is a currency.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think that there's something to be said for that, because, you know, why does a guy do this? Well, he, th- he does it because he knows he can get away with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, why can he get away with it? Because he knows the media is going to play along because they like the story. Yeah.
0: And also, that look, when this happens, what was the first thing? As my colleague uh, Kyle Smith had a good piece on this, and he said, Look, how many people had heard of Jesse Smollett before this incident? Fair. If you were watching Empire, you you probably knew. You watched the show, or at least were watching it for a while. Maybe you recognized it. I did. The first
1: season was fantastic. I will tell everyone who's unfamiliar with the show to watch the first season. Um, After that, it's really not worth watching.
0: And, you know, this this sense of this. The other thing is also he says he felt like he just happened to him because he was targeted because uh, he's been outspoken about Trump. And one of the great ironies is that has he like, like if you're if you're you know, and again, you and I are the wrong people to ask about this. But if you if you're a really diehard part of the resistance, hashtag using, you know, yeah, uh, hat wearing, people, you know, I
1: don't know if they know him, but he has definitely been present. Yeah, Um, he's been outspoken online. (laughs) He's shown up at a lot of those stupid marches, um, things like that.
0: I I don't (laughs) doubt he has doesn't have the opinion, but like if you're if you're big resistance hashtag follower, maybe you're big on Jesse Smollett. Maybe you're not, right? That you know the idea that, but you know the other thing is the idea that he would get particular attention. Again, you know the the the, everyone was kind of joking. Wait, you know Trump fans watch Empire, really? You
1: know. Well, the idea is that, again, and we've discussed this, we discussed this originally when we talked about this on the show, is that ultimately you're talking about a night that it was, you know, negative a thousand degrees in Chicago. It was like the what it was, the Arctic Vortex was moving yeah. through. And so ultimately you're talking about two guys that were probably wrapped up in hats and scarves and everything else, um, as was, I'm assuming, uh, Jesse Smollett at that time when he went to Subway to get his Sub, which of course I should tell you, um one of the first things that should have been a red flag for us, like across the board, was that he didn't just call Uber Eats. Yeah, right. You know, the, all like, the in the morning, right? Everyone, and I'm not, you know, a millionaire. I'm not someone who's on TV. But if it's that cold out and I want a Subway sub, I'm going to have it delivered.
0: Yeah. um the, the part that I had gotten into, and that some people thought I was crazy, uh, some people were, were very much in, uh, you, you know, th- th- the argument was, it was so cold that one of the details in his story was that they poured bleach on him. So I went back and I looked up, what was the temperature bleach freezes? And it was a good, like, 15, 20 degrees warmer than the low temperatures of that night. And This happened around 2 a.m., presumably around the point of the evening where your temperatures would be coldest. Um, now, did this definitively prove that it was false? No, but it was one more thing that didn't add up. And, you know, Mickey, as much well, as I'm...
1: Because carrying a bottle of bleach and it's that cold, it would get frozen by the time they went to pour it out.
0: Right. I mean, that question of how much can you... Um, or at least eat, flush it. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a possi- at least there's a possibility of it. And, you know, but I like physics <laughs> because you can't argue <laughs> with right? it, right? I mean, <laughs> if, if the freezing temperature is 17 deg- degrees above freezing and it was 10 degrees below freezing uh that night well we have a problem here could they have kept it warm somehow close to their bodies as they were going yeah i mean like you can think you can imagine scenarios where maybe it could have happened or
1: all of this requires these two random people to be carrying bleach and a rope at two o'clock in the morning who just happened to run into justice Smollett, who just happened to know who he was from the empire and that he was gay and that he was black yeah. Yeah. and that he was anti-trump and it all happened in under 60 seconds yeah like it's Nothing about this made sense from the get-go. But again, this is something that we talk about all the time, but its reality is that the media sets the tone for these stories, right? Um, We Mm -hmm. could mention at this point that, of course, you know, just breaking news here, but Ralph Northam is still the governor of Virginia. (laughs) And I can assure you that if he had an R beside his name, that the media would have handled this story differently. And I can say this with utmost confidence because I remember the macaca story.
0: Oh, with uh, George Allen back in the 2006... Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. um, Macaque is just... a nickname now that one of my very best friends calls me every single day because she finds the story still hilarious all these years later. Um, but they followed him around with a tracker that he ultimately called macaca. for those of you who are not familiar. And then they followed him around asking him about the word macaca
0: mm-hmm. every
1: day until the election.
0: Yeah, I think it was the Washington Post turned into a near-daily story. It was this obscure term. It was a type of bird, right? But basically it was a um, – they, they concluded it was a racial slur. and I think it's safe to say it was not a nice thing to say. Um, George he Allen always was
1: thought that he probably was going for something that would have been a lot less nice to say.
0: Yeah, you know, jerk.
1: <laughs> Back halfway through.
0: Yeah, you know, he, he thinks he's saying something, he was, Ah, you know, this SOB uh, or something like that.
1: Uh-huh. And or instead mother –
0: yeah, there you go. Um, and that's what uh, the, you know, it ended up sinking George George Brown. People might say, "Why are Jim and Mickey still harping on this?" And it's because of a bunch of different reasons. As of, you know, I guess it was this morning in the Washington Post, uh, one of the accusers against Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax uh, was like, "Hey, I'm ready to testify." And the observation, yeah. that, like, look, look, not one, but two women coming forward from an uh, office holder's past saying, "He raped me." Like, traditionally, that's a big deal. That's not the sort of thing that most people just kind of forget about. Um, and yet it just shows the enormity, of, not just of a double standard, but I think of a, uh, look, it, it, you know, Ralph Northam, as of, right now, we are taping okay. this the afternoon of February 19th, Ralph Northam won. Mm, oh. Right? He Did waited he, out. Didn't
1: he? Didn't he? Um, so and again, yeah. I feel like Smollett could do the same thing, by the way, in waiting out the media because the media doesn't want to cover this story. Yeah, Just like they didn't want to cover North and they don't want to cover Fairfax because, again, again, if these people had an Arbicide, their name would be a different situation. But it's not. And this is what we have to deal with now. So I, this is where I will solidly disagree with you, though, in that while I think that Justin Fairfax's accusers are credible, I don't think there's any reason to necessarily disbelieve anything that they've said. I yeah, do no, believe that he deserves the benefit of the presumption of innocence. Because what we are talking about with him is, without a doubt, a criminal situation, right? So, in my opinion, he deserves due process. Now, how he and his political people handle that, that's up to him. Northam, on the other hand, in my opinion, should have resigned a month ago. And that he has not, and not just because of the yearbook, but because of the way he handled the yearbook situation and the things that he has said since. Um, well, we discussed on the last show, you know, they gave him roots to read as, ah. you know, as, as some type of homework assignment. And again, that's a novel. That's not even a true story, for God's sake. Like, again, well, you live based on Alex Haley's
0: Well, th- memoirs maybe. and research. Into maybe. But I'm also kind of curious how many like, like Ralph Northam is significantly older than you and I are <clears throat> because we're, you know, young and hip and with it. Um, but uh-huh. everybody. Everybody watched Roots in 1977, right? It was one of the okay, biggest events
1: television. Okay, read it, yeah, like, that was, like, the biggest, again, I didn't see Roots on television because you and I were too young when that miniseries series came out for it to be impactful, but I remember people, like, around us talking about it, for God's sake, and, like, I'm assuming at that time he was obviously in college, so it was probably a big deal. I'm going to guess that he's heard of Roots. Uh, um, but my sneaking suspicion what... is
0: that Ralph Northam watched Roots and found it
1: hilarious. My sneaking suspicion is that Ralph Northam is everything that you suspect that he is, and I say this based on the fact that he also, again, thought that slaves were here as indentured servants, and the man lives in Richmond, Virginia. Like, there's no excuse for this in any, you know, in anyone's mind, in anyone's heart, in anyone's mouth in 2019. However, if you were the governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And you live in Richmond in the governor's mansion, which is directly across the street from the little area that was once known as the capital of the Confederacy. Yeah. Then I think you owe it to your constituents to be a little more aware. Uh, yeah, and it's a... and again, like 87% of the black vote. And he's basically thumbing his nose and flipping off his entire group of people that voted for him. Yeah. If he doesn't get their vote, he doesn't win.
0: We could have had a good discussion after northam or after any one of these you know controversies that come down the pike when you find some sort of incident from a uh let's say non-criminal but embarrassing incident from a politician's past um i think having a embarrassing or even uh offensive photo in your in your yearbook is not automatically a firing offense although i do think it's worth noting i mean we, we discussed your you're the bodacious bikini photo from your, your book that we're st- extensive research teams have yet to uncover, uh, How- but just kind of the observation that, look, if, if Ralph Northam wants to say, I'm mortified by this, I'm a completely different person, fine. It's the flip-flopping mm-hmm. of, yeah, that was me, to, oh, no, that wasn't me. Never mind. Um, to,
1: I'm going to lead the discussion on race, which, again, yeah, I'm here yeah, to be this, a healer.
0: This, this is that gay people's
1: this is yeah. the gay two-pop line for me. Like, I'm going to be the healer. I'm going to be... No, you, no, 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 no. No, no, no. That's how, not how any of this works. Sure. It's um, humility and, and without
0: it's, any actual humility.
1: But again, they know that they can do this, and I'm going to lead right into what I've told you is probably the number one topic of, of the current year and will continue to be, which is that social media has laid bare the inner thought of the journalist and specifically the national political journalists in this country, um, specifically on Twitter, probably more so than anywhere else, but you get to see how they really feel about things. And that's not always a good thing. I mean, it's good as far as like, you know, having an idea of where they're coming from, but at the same yeah. time, when it confirms all of the biases you feel that they have held. There not, is a
0: school fair, fair. of thought you could say for journalists, you know, a journalist could say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I, have st- this, by the way, is very close to my thinking on this. People know I'm right of center. People know exactly what I think of, uh, a whole bunch of, of, you know, different issues, politicians, the president, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I try to be fair. I'm sure there are a bunch of people who disagree with that, but there's a difference between being objective, meaning not having an opinion or preference and being fair. Um, but once you see enough of these folks on Twitter, and you also notice how much they cite and point to um, Center for American Progress, right? You know, the, 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 mm-hmm. the, you know, the overlap between ardently left-of-center advocacy organizations and mainstream media, and how much they go back and forth between those two. Um, look, I, I think that indicates a great deal of their their thinking. And if you're if you don't come in contact with any conservatives and you don't interact with any kind of conservatives, well, then it's kind of safe to assume your interpretation of conservative viewpoints is not going to be, um, your, your understanding will be less. You, you will, you know, and you you know, the suspicion that your hand is on the scale. Somebody done a good mm-hmm. example of this about the, uh, it was an AP story about the Smollett uh, uh, controversy. Mm-hmm. And the two skeptics they quoted were Tommy Laren or Tommy Laren um, mm-hmm. and Dinesh D'Souza. I don't no. know. I didn't even know that they'd said anything about that. Right. But you're like like everybody, a whole bunch of folks who have no much, let's just say much less controversial figures than Lauren Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, D'Souza were quoting about this the whole time. Uh, My colleague, Kevin, uh, uh, Kyle Smith, I put high up there. Um, and, And just the sense of like, and by the way, you know, being privy to these discussions at National Review, no one wanted to come out and say Jussie Smollett is lying.
1: Well, I don't think anyone wanted to come right. out and say that at all initially, because, but I think that it was fair to be skeptical
0: right yeah because we 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 suspected it, and there were certain things about his story that did not quite add up, but until you could prove that it didn't happen right now when you go to the 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 uh two nig was it Nigerian guys mm-hmm. uh, you go to the two guys' room and you find uh, houses and you find the rope <laughs> you find the magazine, used to scent the uh, the, uh when, when all of a sudden you start to get a whole big pile of physical evidence all of a sudden this looks uh uh, well, and they pleasure.
1: have actually come out at this point and, you know, they've been very cooperative. They're not going to be charged with anything. They released a statement through their lawyer last night saying that they were not racist, mm-hmm. that they were not homophobic, that they were not anti-Trump and that they were actually um, born in Chicago and were American citizens. So the yeah. whole idea of them being, quote, Nigerian guys.
0: Yeah, the idea that you have to hire. <laughs> it turns out racist attacks are another job that Americans won't do. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Outsour- nice. outsourcing it to foreign labor. Um, but you know, I,
1: thing- I, I, I'm dying to hear their side of all of this because, you know, obviously I'm going to guess they did it for the money, right? Like that's pretty simple. Like why would you do this on your end because of the money? Why would you write him out because you're not him? Yeah. Also, this wasn't by the your way, you know,
0: you're, you're you're a struggling actor, right? Jesse Smollett he- is by your by your standards a successful actor, and yeah. you're looking you for a chance. You know, and, and oh, if I help him out here, maybe when he gets a, a movie or, or does another TV show or something like that, maybe we'll get more work. You know, that that uh, that's, you know, again, again, now here's the thing.
1: But Once again, I think this is going to be used as a
0: hoax. You know, it, it becomes a little tougher to, you know.
1: But again, this brings me back to how things were being covered, both both on television and print media. And of course, what we know now is like their inner heart and truth diaries, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have spoken about this to me previously, but I don't know if we've talked to our listeners about this, but one of the things that is both a benefit and a curse is that people will tweet things out or put things out on social media. That is the first thought that came to mind, not always the best thing, but what is the first thing that someone does when they recognize that someone has put something out on social media that probably is not something they're going to be proud of in five minutes.
0: Right, yeah. So you know, when you see, particularly if it's someone you don't like, right? they screenshot it. They right? yeah, they, so. they drop the f
1: bomb.
0: They call somebody a nasty personal name or something like. You know, when somebody breaks the rules of decorum and kind of go, you know, if it's if it's some anonymous troll, nobody cares. But if it's somebody who they really, really do uh, uh, care about, you know, they, if it's somebody's, you know, having, you know, you can tell, boom, they they blew their their top. They're they're furious. Um, you know, that's what. Oh, screenshot it. And you know, many folks—it's it, this instinctive. Oh, they're gonna—they're gonna try to airbrush this out of their history. They're gonna try to pretend mm-hmm. they never said this. I've got it. I'm gonna catch him. ha. The internet is forever. Boom boom. You know. And I go back and forth because I—I think going thinking back, ironically, somebody else in the news, Laura Logan. Um, mm-hmm. There was this guy at NYU near Rosen who was this—you know—supposed it's he was a scholar of terrorism. And if I recall correctly, Mickey. Uh, he was a guy who embedded, embedded during the war in Afghanistan, but um, <clears throat> he embedded with the Taliban, Got you. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of guy. And mm-hmm. he had said a whole bunch of really terrible things after Lara Logan was assaulted in Egypt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'd collect, you know, he was on this tirade and I was, oh, you know, I'm going to screenshot that because this is going to look this, the, you know, it was nasty personal um, I hate her reporting, blah blah blah. And again, we right. just got word. she'd been, you know, sexually assaulted by a crowd. Right? This is, you know, the, the whatever your mm-hmm. beefs with her reporting were, this wasn't the time and place. And uh, I put this all together, and he was with ed- some Center for Security Studies or something at NYU, and I put this all out there. I'm like, look, um, you know, NYU's got to ask itself, is this is this appropriate? Is this something they're okay with? Is this something they're comfortable being associated with? Uh, mm-hmm. Within like 24 hours, he was out of there. And I was actually I, I was pleasantly surprised by that. And Jim could say, Jim, aren't you, you know, you, more of the types who are forming the the social media mobs and trying to get people fired or something like that? And I guess everybody has their own definitions of beyond the pale. I think, you know, ridiculing somebody after they get sexually assaulted, you know, <laughs> like if, if nothing else, somebody. If, if yes, somebody I really don't think that, that I, I don't think in
1: it. general um, that, you know, one comment should ruin your life. I, I don't subscribe to that particular belief system. However, um, when we talk about patterns of behavior and things like that that you want to look at, that's fine. That's fine. Um, what, I think, what I think the difference is, is that in some cases, like, you've got people who say things that they're going to regret because they said them out of haste. And then you've got people that say things that they're going to regret because it was the truth. Hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and I think that there's a very fine line there, because a lot of people will grab and screenshot things like in this particular case, when you're talking about someone who would just been sexually assaulted, like, yeah, probably not the time to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's becoming it's becoming one of those things where we see their hearts and minds on social media. And so it's very easy for us to develop what I would consider to be, I guess, not just more personal opinions, but more intimate opinions about the media. Yeah. And a, again, seeing this... how they personally react to stories and situations. And we've seen people in the, the, the media with a capital M that have, you know, asked about why isn't someone covering the story in Virginia or why isn't more being done about this story? I'm mm-hmm. like, Dude, you work in the media. Do a story on it.
0: Yeah. Okay. well, but worth noting, you know, for all the media bashing or you know media criticism, in many cases, very valid media criticism, uh, going on this week. Chicago media kicked butt on this story. Um, oh, they, well, the
1: media was all over this. Yeah. Good for them. Props had, to them. Get,
0: Well, also, I I had made this observation, and Mickey, I'm sure, if, I'm curious if you agree. I felt like what I was learning the most about this Smollett story. You know, the the national media is like, you know, Jesse Smollett was assaulted by two, you know film at 11 and then they kind of moved on and, yeah. and everybody else is like wait wow you know, rednecks mm-hmm. at 2 a.m you know coldest night in mm-hmm. 30 years um chicago media went into it but also i think it was like so chicago local tv affiliates were, were digging into this mm-hmm. a lot of updates there alternative oh, yeah,
1: press funny.
0: but i actually felt like i felt like i didn't see a ton from the chicago tribune and chicago Times, and and if i'm no
1: i didn't either if i'm uh, being yeah. honest i didn't see a lot from them either
0: and usually those are two pretty good muckraking, you know, digging into uh, you know local corruption and stuff like that. Newspapers. It's kind of surprising, but again, you know, this maybe this is a great role for local television uh, news to to have a bigger splash beyond their local jurisdiction. Um, but you know, again, everybody when they heard this story had that sense of like, wow and and this mm-hmm. recognition that. Um, you know, most people nodded and said, well, yes, you know, uh, gangs of Trump supporters can attack, you know, uh, gay people and, and African Americans <laughs> at any time in any place. In fact, the fact that this happened in such extreme weather and
1: in the middle of Chicago demonstrates that no one is safe. Yeah, yes. um, ever, 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 no one's ever safe. Um, <laughs> and that will I, and I guess, you know, part of it is like the walkbacks are slow in coming when the condemning came out really, really quickly. Yeah. Um,
0: The political candidates were like, oh, now let's not rush to judgment.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you know, I I just recently saw one of the political candidates reaction to her own statement. And she was caught so flat footed and so shocked and amazed that it blew my mind. Um, So, you know, I think that really, as we're heading into 2019, all we can think is that there's going to be another year and a half of this. (laughs) <laughs> and it's only going to get worse, right? Because someone yeah. thought they could get away with this primarily because he blamed it on a Trump supporter, and yeah. I don't know well, why he did it. I, I'm dying to hear the story behind like his thought process on this, because again, you're like, I want to get attention. Hmm. Well, How can not- I do it? And this mm. is going to be the story. I did. Mm. Yeah.
0: I, again, th- this is why people could say, oh, you know, it was. I think it was Brian Stelter of CNN was like, you know, this is why you know the the issue really should be what Jesse Smollett did. Well, okay, yes, you know, and and presumably Chicago PD will will uh, will hold him accountable. But look, the way this was taken as gospel truth from so many folks mm-hmm. because it advanced a narrative that that is a big deal, right? You know that sense of like, if the situation had been reversed, would you, you know? And coming right on the heels of the Covington teens, right on the te- the heels of the Buzzfeed story about Mueller that you know Mueller came out and said isn't true.
1: No, oh, that was great. It's been a lot. It's been, a, you know, just a series of these sorts of things. And it just kind of you can tell. Oh, they've earned my contempt. Like the the media with a capital M has earned my contempt um, with their behavior without a doubt. And I think that, you know, sometimes that carries over into our sports media at times. I get frustrated in looking at the way that they cover people. Um, As you know right now, I'm currently dealing with a personal crisis of A.B. and the Steelers situation mm-hmm. because we already have been dealing with Le'Veon Bell. And then suddenly now A.B. is Brittany, you know, 2007. <laughs> and I don't understand what is going on. He met with Rooney. Um, just a quick update for everyone where we are right now. Um, he had met with Rooney. He had said that, you know, they were going to be open to trade talks. Meanwhile, the Rooney's then released a statement saying, well, we said we'd try to trade him. But he's still not allowed to talk to other teams, nor his as agent. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who have not been following the Antonio Brown story, good for you, because this is absolutely maddening. Um, watching it unfold and watching those in the media cover for him, as we, those of us who have been, you know, Steeler fans and others that have been paying attention from the very beginning, this is a man who lied to his coach, didn't show up for practice, didn't show up for an MRI. Um, didn't show up for a walkthrough and then had his agent call him the day of the game and say that he was still ready to play.
0: Yeah. You know, like, that's,
1: it, that's how this whole thing started guys. Like, and every single thing that has been said and done since has come out of AB's mouth. Like you haven't heard much from the Steelers or from the Steelers locker room or anything. This isn't the Le'Veon Bell situation. This is something entirely different. AB so. had already gotten his money. Then he was, you know, obviously last year off season, he was caught going um, 100 mile an hour down McKnight Road. Then he did that stupid singing show. Mm-hmm. Um, then he was on the cover of Madden, which of course we were all like, this is a horrible idea. <laughs> and then, of course, there was the throwing the furniture off the balcony at babies um, in September. And then just in January, now we're getting reports that there was a domestic violence incident at his house. So this is a guy that is showing all signs of an absolute out-of-control spiral, right? Come on, Mickey. Who among us
0: has not thrown furniture at babies? Um, <laughs> like, that, that I mean, sounds like a bad thing. Mean- <laughs> <me? laughs> you know, he verbed a noun at nouns. Right. <laughs> Through furniture. And, um. Yeah, by the way, I notice you keep calling him A.B., Mickey. And apparently, yeah. according to this Instagram video, he no longer wants to be called A.B. He wants to be called Big Chest. Um, so, uh, you, you think like, we're getting into a, a Caitlyn Jenner situation?
1: Of all of us? I'm sorry, what did you say?
0: I, I said, uh, you think we're getting into a Caitlyn Jenner situation here if he wants to be called Big Chest?
1: Oh, no. I don't know. I don't, like... This is a guy that used to be known for his work ethic and his love of team and his effort and his, you know, selflessness. This is not the same guy. And it does make me wonder if he's, you know, if suddenly he's spent a lot of his money and he's broke because he has a huge contract. So this isn't like he's, you know, mid-contract negotiations and he didn't get paid wrong. He got paid. So none of this makes any sense. The, the commentary I'm seeing from some a lot of the sports media Is, you know, basically like, don't be mean to A.B. Um, And I've seen it driven down, you know, the I hate to say this, but I've seen this driven down racial lines where they're trying to suggest somehow how he has been a scapegoat for our team, which is in no way the case. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's really unbelievable. Some of the things that he said about Ben Roethlisberger, considering how much Ben is probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league at taking responsibility for his own mess ups on the field and for team losses. Um, So for a lot of the media to suggest that, you know, AB is correct in attacking the Roonies or attacking Ben Roethlisberger, or even attacking Mike Tomlin, like it's shocking to me how far they're willing to go out on a limb for this particular narrative that they like.
0: Is some of this inevitable reaction to stardom the other thing, also, I kind of, I wonder about, Mickey, and I, I, I hesitate before I ever speak anything that can be considered as construed as criticism of the wonderful land of Western Pennsylvania. Um, you know that a bunch of my friends are from there, but is it? Watching you, yeah. Is it, you know, Pittsburgh is by comparison? It's always been a glamour franchise. It's always had a great history, but it's also one of the smaller city franchises in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think any of this is just? I'm, I'm. This, I want to go to Miami. I want to go to some glamorous city. You know, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Um, That kind of mentality of I don't want to be in this city. I want to be somewhere else.
1: No. Um, No. I think this is because of Juju Smith Schuster. Mm. I think it's because people love him. Um, I think it's because he won um, MVP this year. I think that there are, I think it's because AB had to share his Pizza Hut commercial with him, um, I think that he, he really legitimately has a case of feeling like because one of the things that he continually seems to mention is that he feels like he's being taken advantage of and that people didn't appreciate him. And of course, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. There were several years in a row where his jersey was like the number one selling jersey for the Steelers and sometimes for the whole NFL. Um, So clearly the fans supported him and loved him. And, you know, and he got all of these endorsement deals because of his relationship with Steelers Nation. And, you know, this very like squeaky clean kind of smiley Antonio Brown, I'm so cute image. Um, and I think one, he's clearly trying to break away from that. But two, maybe he does not realize that endorsement money doesn't come through if you're a freak.
0: Well, then the next thing I'm wondering is, is he is 28 going on 29?
1: Uh, no, he's almost 30. Okay. No, actually, I think he's like 30, 31. Like, yeah, we're we're right. actually into 30, 31.
0: General, just being, um, you know, most wide receivers experience some some slowdown in their once they're past 30. No, you know. No shame in that, uh, but you know it. It also you you take some hits and all that kind of stuff. Look, is it possible particularly with the rise of Juju and other play? You know, one both league wide. You know, yeah, is he? Could you argue one to two years ago was he the best receiver in the NFL? Yeah, I think there was a pretty strong argument for that. Is he likely to be one of the best receivers in the NFL in the next two, three, four, five years? Eh, probably not, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And, We've tipped know, this, the balance on that.
0: So this is kind of the the you know the, the I wonder if this is the football career equivalent of a midlife crisis.
1: Oh, like I said, Brittany, two thousand seven. Yeah, you know, um, your I best years that, are behind you. Yeah. Well, I think that there's part of that that's possibly out there, but something's really gotten inside of his head because the reality is, since he's been with the Steelers, we have not won a Super Bowl even or have gone to one, even though we had gone to three in the like four or five previous years. Um, so maybe he's not the wide receiver that we need him to be because he's not the team player we need him to be. I don't know. What I do know is that I had never heard anyone laying any blame at the feet of Antonio Brown. There was a lot of blame going around at the end of the season um, for the defense, for the kicking game, um, for the coaching staff. I did not hear anybody complaining about Antonio Brown, and I just feel like this is yet another example of someone who is ready to flush their entire like life, legacy, and career down the toilet. And I feel like, once again, it's probably because they're surrounded by a lot of people who are telling them yes when they should be telling them no.
0: I, I would not dispute that in the slightest. The other thing I also kind of wonder, though, is that, again, it's look, we can look at these guys and say, dear God, um, you know, you're making millions of dollars to play a game. You you you, know, you get to be in commercials and endorsements. You live the life of a celebrity. People chant your name every Sunday. You know, it, it's a pretty darn sweet life. Um, but, you know... As you know, the good news is for all the frustrations. Even of my, people, I will just go ahead. I just say for all the frustrations of my daily life, I am not one torn ACL away from never blogging again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, the, the idea that you know you 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 know you you work at a you're playing a dangerous sport. The possibility, not only are you potentially are you possibly going to get injured. In all likelihood, over the course of your career, you're probably going to get injured. And then at that point, after that injury, you'll probably never be the same. You know, Jerry Rice. I mean, it happens to the very best of them, except unfortunately Tom Brady. It seems. Um, but you know that that recognition of it's you against the clock, and I kind of wonder if that psychologically takes a bigger toll on these guys.
1: I just don't know who he thinks is going to be a better quarterback for him than Ben Roethlisberger. Mm, you know. Yeah, Like, that's that's... my other side of this is, like, all of these teams are like, oh, yeah, come here, come here. And it's like, dude, what makes you think he's going to get along better with your people? Because here's what I think, Jim. I've watched this kid play literally since he was 21 years old, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what I know about him. Um, This is not normal behavior. None of this. Like, the off field stuff, the -the on-the-field stuff, none of it is normal behavior. It sounds to me like things are going poorly for him in his life. I am not one to try and diagnose someone who I have not um, met or try to give them, you know, any type mm-hmm. of advice on their health. But I would suggest that people who are near him should probably look into it because something really wrong is happening. Like it's just, he's not doing things that are even in his own best interest. So it makes no sense. Yeah. Perhaps right. though, because I'm going to change the subject on this. Well, wait, I got
0: one last question to, to throw That's in okay. here and it's broader than Antonio Brown, but I think it actually probably become a bigger question in sports. Year by year in the coming in the, in the near future, so they said the, you saw the, the t- statement from the team that emphasized, "Look, you know we're going to try to trade you, but you can't go out and have discussions on your own. The right. tampering rules are still in place, et cetera, et cetera." We just had the NBA All Star game last weekend, and apparently the fear was the big star from the Milwaukee Bucks. Don't let him hang out with the All Stars. He'll have a lot of right. fun with LeBron and want to go out to the, the NBA. Has more of this right with the formation of the super teams and stuff like that. But you got to mm-hmm. figure. This is likely going to be a factor in future in the NFL and perhaps also in, in NHL and Major League Baseball. Players like playing together, right? They, they want to, you know, oh, wait a second. Wouldn't it be great if we were all on the same team? And this desire to the idea of personal friendships and relationships, influencing guys, free agency decisions and the idea of certain guys being willing to play. And certain, you know, like, first of all, the no tampering rule. I'm surprised no one's filed a first amendment suit against that. <laughs> Saying this hmm. is you know, a restriction uh, upon my freedom of speech, but the same thing to say, is-
1: well, you can file that with the NFL PLA.
0: Yeah. Well, then the next question is, cause they always say, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the no tampering rule is very rarely enforced and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, is this a fool's errand to try to restrict this? That inevitably, players are going to talk to each other and say, "Hey, you know, apparently Jamal Adams has been uh, the Jets has been telling Le'Veon Bell how good he would look in, uh, in green and white." And not only that, even if he doesn't like green and white, the Jets have a lot of green <laughs> to offer him. Nice. If he, uh, you know, um, well,
1: and here's the thing about that though, I think there's a huge difference between players talking nonsense to each other and his agent having conversations with ownership of other teams. You know, Because, I mean, they can all talk all the crap they want. And I mean this specifically about the A-B situation. Because right now, he's sitting in a situation where, yes, the Steelers said they would, quote, try to trade him. But they also limited their ability to talk to other teams, right? Yeah. So, again, this ball is not in Antonio Brown's court. He's under contract for three And
0: you years. know the, the Steelers would take a worse deal from, like, the San Francisco 49ers. Than mm-hmm. a better deal from the Jets because they want him out of, or certainly out of you know Cleveland. Absolutely, yes. Get him mm-hmm. out of the conference, out of the division, as you know. So the situation he's only going to play you, you know, once every four years, uh, right. or maybe meet in the Super Bowl some year or something. Uh, but yeah, that's that's always struck me as a sort of thing where, like, by the way, I think it's you know to the extent of, I'm not a huge NBA fan, but having two or three super teams does not strike me as a good, uh, as good for the overall health of your friend of your sport. Um, if everybody's... So The
1: Patriots would probably disagree. Well, you know they're
0: they're wrong about everything and the root of all <laughs> evil. <so. laughs>
1: okay, yeah. well this leads this, look. I'm going to take you right into this next subject, whether you okay. want to go there or not, Jim Garrity. Yeah, I will <laughs> take you kicking and screaming into the Bachelor segment, and I don't. Okay. <laughs> look, here's the deal. Update: It appears he's still a virgin, at least as far as the show is concerned. We are now down to the final four, Jim, and I have. A revelation.
0: I'm all ears, Mickey. You, you you have me at maximum interest as I could as maximum. I can generate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this... Look, here's what I've decided, do I have decided a couple things. One, I, I like Colton a lot. I, I think that he's adorable and cute. And I see why they wanted him to be the bachelor. Um, two, I think he may have bad taste in women. Which could explain the whole Virgin slash other issues that he has. Because um, as we are down to the final four, it is a mix of women that he has basically zero chemistry with. Huh. And so it's very hard to even watch on screen. All of the ones that were fun to watch left. They were like, yeah, I'm out. Like, there were so many that quit this season, I can't even tell you. Like, they, yeah, like, just showed up, walked up to him, were like, yeah, I'm out. I don't, I don't want to do is this Is he anymore.
0: not uh, is, is he not attractive in the non physical sense? Is he, you know, um,
1: I don't know how much he brings to the table as far as like conversationalists and whatnot. I don't know, but mm-hmm. he's hot, like, he's definitely hot physically. And most of the bachelors are not, by the way. He happens to be attractive physically. Um, he, you know, he genuinely seems to be a nice guy, but again, apparently has zero taste in women. I'm not sure. What his strategy is here? We're going into hometown, so we're going to make it any in.
0: Is there any and common trait amongst the final four? Because these are people he's chosen not to reject, right? These are presumably the ones that have he has the most remaining interest in,
1: right? Aside from um, well, the ones who quit, who quit? It, there's they're, they're all a little bit different. At one time, he was clearly favoring the blondes, like heavily favoring real blondes. But what we have now is there's Hannah G, who is a blonde girl with big, gigantic blue eyes, who never says anything of any value, Hmm. but he seems to really like her. Um, So I'm not sure what the deal is with her. It could be straight physical interaction, which is completely possible, because that's clearly he's into this girl named Cassie, and who's a blonde, also having trouble. Blonde, who's fighting with another one of the finalists. Tiana, who is a black chick out. I'm not sure where she's from, but she's a little evil. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been divorced and she's been talking smack behind some of the other girls back, specifically Cassie and Caitlin, who are two finalists and saying to Colton that these two girls weren't ready and that they had said that they wanted to be the new bachelorette. And they said um, that they couldn't wait to meet like all these famous people and what have you. And in reality, none of that actually happened.
0: Hmm. Is Colton, notice I'm remembering his name, aren't you proud of me? I Um, am. That's living up or down to any stereotypes about virgins in, in this process?
1: Um. Honestly, it, the good news is that like they really did lay off the virgin talk after okay. the first couple weeks, which was good because it was getting old quick. Yeah, um, also the idea I of. Like, yeah, you know. I feel like he he does come off as naive at times. Okay. Um. He also comes off as someone who doesn't know what he wants, which was the complaint of the previous Bachelorette. Mm, by the way. Okay. Um, which I think is hilarious because in watching this, I'm like, I kind of see what she's talking about now. And I didn't like her that much. Um, but you know, I, again, it's one of those situations where one of the girls he let go this week was a girl named Hannah B and again, Hannah G and Hannah B. Cause you know, they're all 23 years old. So they all have the same name. Um, <laughs> and this, you know, here's a guy, Hannah B was Miss Alabama 2018 and, Kaylin was Miss North Carolina 2018 and the first one up for Miss America. So he's dating two like major beauty pageant winners at the same time. Um, in addition to like all these other chicks that are hanging out there at the house. And again, now we're down to four, but he got rid of one of them. And the weirdest part was is he kept saying like, she makes me happy. We get along. You know, she's everything I've always said that I wanted and I'm just not feeling it. Mm. So he let her go.
0: Huh. I see as you're describing the the phenomenon of not really knowing what he wanted.
1: And it's important he is what 25, 26, something like that? I think yeah, he's young. He's young. And the, and the cast is very young, which I think is part of the problem with this particular season.
0: I mean, it's, it's, you know, quite understandable that at some stage of young adulthood, you don't know exactly what you want. You don't know. And again, if you if you in addition, to me, he's a virgin. He's not just a virgin. He hasn't dated very much. Right. He hasn't had a lot right. of, of, you know,
1: he hasn't um, had a significant amount of relationships. Correct. I mean, you know,
0: relationships tell you, you know, you, sometimes you learn from experience. Oh, I don't really like that personality type. You know, um, Can I
1: tell you what I've learned from this experience. What have you learned? Mickey? I don't think that they should have a bachelor who is under 30.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Because they, he being at 26, you've got women that are like 28, and you've got women that are like 23.
0: <laughs> Am I correct? On the 28, tick, tick, tick. Oh, you know, a... <laughs>
1: yeah. And like, there were some that were like 30, 31, and they were the ones that were kind of like, yeah, I can't live in this house with these people. Like, I gotta go. Look,
0: if you're not gonna pick me, get me out in the first round, right?
1: <laughs> correct. Yeah. Like, seriously, like, if you don't see us going all the way, like, I'm totally cool with going home right now. <laughs> And there were so many women that said that throughout the season that it has to make you believe that it's because they were living in a house with 23-year-olds like I, and 22-year-olds. And I'm like, this isn't fun to watch. It's a little too young. Someone suggested last night that I was talking about with online about it said, you know, they look like teenagers. And maybe that's part of the problem. The girls look seemingly very young to be suddenly be like, I can't wait to get married and have babies and blah, blah, blah. Huh. And you're like, yeah, I don't think you're old enough to get married yet.
0: I'm really ready for my first marriage. Um, right. Exactly. The...
1: And so, yeah, something about this whole season is off. I don't like it. Um, I still very much like Colton. However, I am not alone in watching it religiously, even though I'm a little confused by it, because apparently it's getting their best ratings like it's ever had. And it's winning the night Um, over things like America's Got Talent and some of the other bigger shows. Um So... You know, the bachelorette has made a comeback with the bachelor that is likable, and that's what Colton is. But again, these girls are not.
0: Mm.
1: So I'm not really sure how that works. Say,
0: for the process to work, you need someone who is decisive. Um, I'm going to tell you about an exchange we had with one of our favorite people on Twitter, Mickey, our, our mutual mm-hmm. friend, Liz. Um, people say, yes. What's Liz's last name? Uh, I don't know if she wants it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and right. for, uh, I'm not sure I know, um, she's always been Liz Locker on Twitter. But anyway, just, <laughs> um, but there's some observation we're about, oh, we're talking about Beto O'Rourke um, yeah. and the fact that he kept. You know, he did his big rally in Texas and he did his interview with Oprah. And I was like, look, I, I started to wonder if Beto O'Rourke doesn't really want to run for president because he keeps having these big events where, you know, if you're going to announce, Oprah's couch is a pretty good place to do it. If you want to announce, you know, a big counter rally against the president with lots of people, there would be a good place to do it. And so if he keeps not announcing, you know, we remember him doing his Jack Kerouac wandering through the West, you know, <laughs> lost cowboy. <laughs> really. Like maybe this guy, you know, he, he spent, you know, two years on the campaign trail in the Senate, you know, did well but fell short. Maybe he doesn't sure he wants to run for president. Maybe the whole thing sounds like a magilla and he doesn't know if he wants to put his family through all that. Um and it's like it's kind of like when a guy is supposed to propose marriage and and I said, you know, mm-hmm. all those awkward conversations I'd had with, you know, uh female friends in my younger years were saying like when a guy wants to get married, he generally, you know, figures out how to get enough money for the ring, gets the ring and proposes. He doesn't say, "Hmm, you know, next May would be a perfect time to propose." <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> you know, they don't
0: they don't because this idea of, you know, young women who are like, "Ah, we're going to get married someday." He ju- he's just waiting for the right time. Eh, I mean, I suppose it's happened for some guys like that. But a lot of guys, you know what they do when they want to get married? They propose. <laughs> you know, they don't sit around <laughs> waiting for the perfect moment. And...
1: Okay. Now, first of all, I feel like I need to step in and smack you once again. Because I, of course, was someone who was in a relationship for a very long time before we got engaged. Um, and, of course, we even owned our house before we got engaged. Well, so, you Mr. know, Bias
0: I totally blow up the, uh, the stereotypes. You guys are the exact yeah, opposite of every, yeah.
1: We are. We are without a doubt the opposite of what you're supposed to do. I get that. Um, but again, I don't know that Colton's ready for marriage. And maybe that's why I think that The Bachelor shouldn't be under 30. Mm. Because I just feel like not only do I not feel like any of the girls are ready, I don't think he's ready. And they've been showing the scene and teasing the scene all season of him, like, flipping out and jumping over a fence. And being like taking off and you hear um, Chris Harrison in the background being like, what is going on? And we've never had this happen before. And so we've been waiting for the scene to come and it's still not here yet. So,
0: you know, wasn't there some comedian's joke who said, because when you say if this is just, hey, we're trying to set people up then um, you know, we, they're they're too young. You know, they're they're on the younger side. They may not be ready to, to you know, pursue someone they want to marry um the game stops being the bachelor you know and and, Mm -hmm. the idea this this ooh this show is going to end in a proposal um and it becomes more like the dating game hey let's find two people and let's put them together and was it wasn't there some old tv show that was about marriages
1: there's a ton of them yeah
0: okay but the idea is that you know i think it was seinfeld or somebody did the joke you could watch the same couple through the dating game the marriage show and then divorce court
1: yes you know, yes yeah well oh you the newlywed game, the
0: newlywed what you game. there you go D- dating yes, game yes. newlywed game and divorce court You see the same couple at three different stages of their life and
1: uh... <laughs> that would work i'd throw in the prices right like somewhere before divorce court
0: and, and you and i would throw in hgtv
1: oh yeah totally um, so...
0: <laughs> Pre- previewing divorce court <laughs> she wants a ranch he wants an <laughs> he wants
1: a townhouse you know Yes, she plucks butterflies for a living and he
0: <laughs> and he likes to be yeah,
1: yeah. their budget is nine hundred fifty seven thousand dollars. Why can't I find
0: a good five bedroom in downtown Paris? <laughs> <there are> <laughs> Look, They're obviously we watch feelings. entirely too
1: much of this because you and I can drop like right into one of the episodes as though we were actually doing it ourselves. That tells you how much of this crap that we watch now. One of the other things, speaking of crap, um, that Jim wanted to talk about this week was our, our girl Gwyneth.
0: Yeah. So, um, so, so again, ahead. you and I, I used to joke, ha, Mickey and I were making fun of Goop long before anybody else was. Um, and now, you know, Goop is apparently not only like a successful magazine, it's going to get its own like is it a netflix show or something or
1: mm-hmm.
0: is it's just gonna be like sw- just like shopping trips with gwyneth
1: um i'm gonna go with it's going to be like gwyneth as martha stewart slash oprah e
0: <laughs> here's how you could live better by putting these objects in ver- an <laughs> unexpected yes! place
1: yes this is exactly what i'm thinking it'll be i don't know but again i feel like we were yes by far the first and on what i would consider like the pioneers of mocking <laughs> Both of gwyneth. gwyneth yeah yeah so we were the pioneers of mocking gwyneth um and i feel like you know it's something that it's important that we continue to mock her along as she continues to rise with her lifestyle brand of goop uh, yes? so yeah the other th- i've said this before but idiocracy was not supposed <laughs> to be like an ins- inspirational manual it was not supposed to be anything that you people were supposed to strive to get to and yeah, so
0: big news, or I guess out earlier today, she said that she's departing the Marvel universe, uh, probably the primary way that I know her as is, is Pepper Potts in the Iron Man movies and one or two appearances in other Marvel movies. Um, a lot of people wondering if this means Pepper Potts dies in the next Avengers movie, or you know, I, I suppose, spoiler alert, but I don't know what happens, so I don't know if I can really spoil, you know, my guesses can spoil things. You can't um, spoil things if you don't know. I, I wanted her to be Madame Goop. I-, I-, I know there's no comic character, but I just figured let's take the Pepper Potts <laughs> character, merge it with Crazy Gwyneth Paltrow character out of that catalog, and just make her someone who could either mind control people into buying the most insane crap possible, <laughs> or maybe she just shoots goop for like. like have, by way, out of the way, of all the names Have you ever seen probably...
1: my super ex girlfriend with Uma
0: Thurman? Uh, no, I remember the trailers for it and such. Yeah.
1: Okay. I will tell you that when you were just describing all of that, that's what it reminded me of. She's, he break, you know, it's a man, he's dating a superhero. He breaks up with her. She goes crazy mm. um, and uses all of her superpowers like against him during the breakup. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about her shooting goop and whatnot, that was immediately what I pictured.
0: <laughs> By the way, also I, I have a theory that um, uh, when, when you hear guys complaining so much about their exes, like isn't there you the, mm-hmm. the, these these stories of "Ah, oh, my ex is so obsessed with me, oh my God, she's practically a stalker oh, she's still you isn't it kind of like oh it, it, this, is, this is one of those humble brags, you know that, that sense of like, oh, this woman I was dating she j- she thinks I'm so amazing, she's constantly trying to get me back, oh, this is terrible, you know this, oh, you absolutely, get, and
1: it, it, I, you know, and I'm sure that women do the same thing, but I think that men are probably more guilty of saying it out loud um, and trying to make an issue out of it, yeah. So yeah, I I definitely think that that. Well, just idea, think you
0: know. so. Oh Uma Thurman, is Uma Thurman played the superhero right, or am I thinking of somebody yes. else? Okay, oh, yeah. Uma Thurman is, can't, is you know can't get over me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's constantly trying to get back. Oh, you poor guy. Ah, oh, you know now again if she's got X-ray vision or lasers or something, maybe it's a little more. I difficult. believe
1: she threw a shark at him. Okay, that'll okay. Well, that's fighting, right? That's not. Yeah, I'm to- just saying, like you know, they broke up. And then she was all crazy jealous and whatever. And yeah, like I said, when you started talking about her shooting goop, that was immediately yeah. what I thought of. I, and take that for what it's worth. Yeah.
0: I, I'm just saying I've heard the number of times I've heard guys complaining about exes and not had any verifiable proof of the actual stalker like activity. Like, like if, mm-hmm. if you break up with someone, uh, you know, think of the, the, you know, not long list of exes that I have. <laughs> um, they, they all seem to get over me pretty well. <laughs>
1: that's funny. You know, I, I have actually had difficult breakups that have led to difficult times post breakup, including a real live stalker. However, mm-hmm. the majority of my exes and I are still very friendly. Um, several at my wedding. Um, it wasn't something that was weird at all for Mr. Vias and I because, well, that's how we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, I'm the type of person, you know me well enough to understand why I am able to maintain friendships with my exes. Um, because I can compartmentalize anything. I
0: think it was a, but uh, I'm going to refer to the British version of the show. Coupling. Um, so warning for anyone who decides, oh, Jim is talking about it. This must be fun. Very bawdy. Very, it's very British humor and very, a lot of bedroom humor. But one of the whole things there was like, if you decided that once you broke up with someone, you would never interact with them again. And you'd go through kind of the friend divorce, right? You get to keep these friends. Yeah. Like you, you'd end up with, you know, with, with it, it would just get way too complicated. So you had, these, you know, the part of the joke was about uh, some of the couples had been, you know, exes with each other and occasionally it could be awkward, but they didn't want to, you know, you, you couldn't have it to be, well, I'm no longer involved with this person. Ergo, I must no longer associate with anyone who knows them. And that's just, you know, the, it was kind of an interesting, fun dynamic there. But uh, yeah, so Absolutely. I, mean, you know, so, I want to make
1: basically. one recommendation for our listeners before we take off this week. Because we are coming towards the end again um, as our tick-tick clock goes off. And that is something that I haven't even talked to you about yet, which is a special um, on Netflix. And it is Kevin Hart. And it is a special on Black History. Have you heard anything about this?
0: I, I did see the promo for it or something. And I was like, okay. You know, you, you feel like you do, okay, here we go. Black History Month, you know. Um, no, Frederick Douglass. So, okay. So Kevin Hart presumably would make it not <laughs> not the same usual old thing. same old thing. That would yes, be probably be very it's entertaining.
1: Really well it's it's really well done. It's like an hour special. I highly recommend all of our listeners watch it on Netflix. Um and it's again, it's Kevin Hart's and I believe it's just called the Black History Special. Um, but this point he's only done the one I would like him to do multiples after watching it because not only does he does it does it in a manner in which it's entertaining and fun um but he also talks about people that we have not necessarily heard of before Mm. when dealing with black history and um and so again just something that you know since we're still in black history month thought it was definitely worth recommending and it's funny and educational and you guys will love it so definitely watch it
0: Excellent. I look forward to that, Mickey. I was going to say one of the more interesting events of the past year was my law. It was actually an article, but for some reason it started spreading around more when I put a long series of tweets about it. Um, The contributions of African-Americans, those who we'd consider to be Latino or Hispanic, Asian-Americans and uh, Native Americans through the U.S. military history, just all the different ways the, the estimate that at various battles of the Revolutionary War, one quarter of all the troops were freed, uh, freed African slaves. Um, the fact that there were a considerable number of people who were of Latino heritage fighting on both sides of the Civil War. The fact that there was a Chinese um, uh, orphan who had been raised by, by folks in the West who fought at the Battle of Gettysburg at Pickett's Charge. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. just all cut, you know, American history is way more diverse and, uh, and I would argue way more fascinating than a lot of us, uh, get in our history books. And you just want to throw things at your old history teachers for not, uh, emphasizing this stuff. Anyway, great, cool. It's been a fun week, Mickey. Um, we will continue to do these as schedule permits. We seems like we're on a good once every two weeks, maybe once a <laughs> week if we're, if we're lucky.
1: We're getting there.
0: No promises. We are getting there. Look, every time we get a show, it should feel like a little a surprise present. Hey, they got a show. so there
1: go. Yeah, they got a show up. And, and again, that's just yes. a reminder to all of our listeners to subscribe wherever they're listening to us because they can find us at SoundCloud, at iTunes, and at any of the podcast listening spots. So do subscribe so that you don't miss any of our episodes as they come out.
0: Yeah. And by the way, thanks to everyone who listened to the – it's a good way to make sure you get all the pieces of our episodes. We've had fantastic <laughs> yeah. connection for this week. Last week, we had some tech issues. <laughs> Um, we're connected actually through a tin cans and string. It turns out, uh, between our houses when we record these sorts of things. So we had a little interruptions, but if you subscribe, you get all the pieces in order. So hopefully it doesn't sound uh, too disjointed. So anyway, thank you very much for listening.
1: Yeah, and we'll be back either, you know, next week or the week after. You can always find us on uh, Facebook, facebook facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. And look us up on Twitter. I'm at Bias Girl. He is at Jim Garrity. And thanks again for listening. And we'll be back soon. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. You've been listening to the one and only Jim and Mickey Show.